This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Cruise Control. My name is Rich Bradbury and we have a show in three parts. It's nice to be back on the show with my friends Ali and Daniel. Hi, fellas. Thank you for coming back, Richard. Thank you so much. Because <laughs> me and Ali, we've just been at each other's throats. He's been insulting me. I've been insulting him. Why? You've been fighting, have you? Yes. Yeah, we just can't okay. agree on anything. You yeah. can't. Well, that's kind of the point of this kind of show, though, isn't it? <laughs> you see, because the argument is, ah. who will do the introduction which you normally do? Oh, I see. Uh, well, thank you for making me feel welcome on my uh, after what is it? Three weeks, almost four weeks. Anyway, um, a show as usual in three parts. We got little bits of news up at the front, and then a discussion about uh, some new licenses for delivery riders, and then wrapping up uh, with a car review of uh, Nissan Serena S Hybrid MPV. So I guess, what kind of news have I missed? We've just passed the half-year mark and uh, we have some numbers and statistics to report. Brands- oh, my favourite things, numbers yes. and statistics. I know, you like it. Some car brands have recently published their, their numbers uh, on their earnings in the first six months of 2022. And uh, one of the biggest movers in the market is Toyota. Of course, this comes as no surprise, but they actually reported to have sold over 52,000 units in the first half of the year for all their cars. Um, Well done, Toyota. Yeah, and that's 48% more than how they did in the same period um, last year, which uh, they they only sold 35,000 units. Also reported uh, that the Hilux pickup truck is still the best-selling in the country in this segment, despite, you know, the other gaining popularities of its competitors like Isuzu and Ford. Um, (laughs) And uh, numbers for July alone, Toyota did so well, um, they they sold 6,624 units. Wow. Now, it's great news, but think about this. Eh? Toyota has still got an almost 10-month waiting list for the Camry. you got an almost six-month waiting list for the Hilux, which mm-hmm. they just said is their best-selling vehicle. And then you got the new Toyota Corolla Cross, which has got about five to six months waiting list. Now, imagine if they didn't have all the supply issues and they were actually delivering on time. What would the figure be? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It could be well past 80,000 units, you know? That's right. Another company doing well in July is Perodua. Uh, they reported to have over 24,000 bookings for the month of July alone, which shows that uh, you know demand for Perodua vehicles is still high despite the phasing out of the SST sales tax exemption. The company also reported a similar figure to Toyota, 48.7% higher year-to-date sales from January to July this year. They sold about uh, 145,000 units this time compared to only 97,000 units uh, same period last year. They also recently launched the Alza, which we spoke about on the show a couple of weeks ago. And Alza mm-hmm. already has 39,000 bookings. Wow. Okay, so now here's, here's the best part of Richard. Toyota owns most of Perdua. <laughs> In, indirectly, because Toyota owns Daihatsu. Daihatsu owns most of Perdua. So can you imagine the big boss, Toyota... How much money are they making? <laughs> He's sat on a big pile, put it that way. Yeah, they're probably the biggest car brand, in, I mean, in, in terms of numbers, in, in terms of technology, in Malaysia. Yeah, yeah. There we go. So you know what's talked about, yeah? Yeah, I know what's talked about. So we're moving uh, from 
Toyota and Parodua over to China now. Yes, yes. so uh, onto the Chinese market. Uh, recently, carnewschina.com reported that Geely has just unveiled the Geely Boyu L, their new compact SUV to be placed between the Geely Boyu and the Geely Zingyu L in China. And we believe that it is very likely to be the new generation of Proton X70 here in Malaysia. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, so very simple. The current Proton X70 was based on the previous Geely Boyu. We all know that. Hmm. It's yeah. all over the news. It's been there for the last five years. Yeah. So that Geely Boyu was already a little bit old before it came to Malaysia. It was a couple of years already in China, you know? So now comes an all-new Boyu. Now, if you look at it, it's not a mistake to to guess that this might be the next Proton X70 because they just did a facelift and they always do a facelift before an all-new model comes out, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're probably it's not looking, a bad-looking vehicle. It is very futuristic. I can see mm. a lot of Malaysians, you know, wanting to have one, you know, especially current Proton X70 owners who are already three, four, five years old. They'll say, hey, time to change and this is the car to go for. And, you know, if it comes here with the tax incentives and the local badging and, you know, the Tanjung Malim plant working, price won't be much difference, you know? Oh, that's right. The fact that it might be made in Malaysia as well, right? It might be assembled yes. here. But of course, now they've launched the left-hand drive version. It'll take some time before the right-hand drive version comes for Malaysia and the rest of ASEAN. Right. What kind of price do you think we'd be looking at, Daniel? I don't think it'll go past 130,000 ringgit. But right. there is also a, a plug-in hybrid version of this latest model. So if it's a plug-in hybrid version, of course, it'll be a little bit more expensive because of the battery pack. But if you're talking about purely a petrol-driven version, it'll be about the same price. All right. Yeah, so the Geely Boyu L is expected to hit the Chinese market in Q4 of this year. And we should be getting it as the Proton X70 sometime next year, Daniel, right? Maybe not so soon, you know. They'll still want to make as much money as possible with the current X70. So maybe, maybe 2024, unless, you know, sales are really good and they sell enough numbers of the current model, then maybe end of next year. Nice. Wow, lots of Chinese launches today. The next one also yep. from China, right? Yep, we yep. got another news from China and this one comes in the form of an SUV by Dongfeng. Um, they just released uh, and announced the Aeolus Haoji. Well, first of all, when I looked at it and, and I think, you know, Richard knows where I'm coming from when I say this, it's got that BMW grille. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, it, it's got that BMW light, especially with the, 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 the electric BMW. And then, could it be a copy? Maybe not. But Dongfeng is a growing Chinese uh, car brand and they already have a presence, a very small, but they already have a presence in Malaysia. So mm. you never know, you never know, you heard it here first, the Aeolus Hauji might come here. Ooh, well, that'd be interesting. Mm. And now, um, China done, uh, Malaysia done, what else have we got? We're back with Toyota yes. again. The final piece of launch in the global market. Uh, Toyota just rolled out the all-new Toyota Vios as we have previewed last week. It is the fourth-generation Vios now built on the DNGA platform which makes the car slightly longer with a wider uh, wheelbase and it's already released in Thailand. It's called Yaris Atif. Uh, that's to suit their market over there. When can we expect it to arrive in Malaysia, Daniel? Okay, this I think this year. I think really Toyota is going to make a move and launch it this year because why? This is a fast-selling vehicle, number one. People love the Vios in Malaysia. Exactly. Number mm. two, it's priced so close to a Nissan Almera and a Honda City. They will bring it in because they'll just want to take away a big slice of that market. And that market is a growing market because if you talk about vehicles below 100,000, 
there's a lot of people who have moved down the food chain for cars, you know, mm. because of earning factors and all that. Mm-hmm. The next thing is, can you imagine the number of Vios owners out there who are just waiting for an all-new model to trade up to? And when when they leak these pictures. Uh, of the possibility of the car being tested in in Thailand and coming here and everything else the take up on facebook was quite strong i mean the reaction on facebook from malaysians was very strong just like how we get with when with, when we want to launch any new proton or perdua so i think there are a lot of malaysians ready to buy this umw toyota the local dealer knows that it's just whether they can get enough stock to bring into malaysia and start selling it'll probably be made in malaysia um the current vios has been around for already 5 years it's 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 time to be changed so yeah. toyota is putting in a four cylinder vvti engine it's it's got a you know not too bad 110 newton meters of torque so a lot of people are going to say hey it's less powerful than the current model because the current model is 140 against this 110 but people want better fuel economy right now mm-hmm. people are no longer rushing around to get top speed now it's all about efficiency longevity reliability and low running cost in this segment you know yeah. i think it's going to do well and i think it's going to sell enough cars to scare honda malaysia into doing something with the honda city that's the direct rival yeah yeah okay right um ladies and gents you are tuned into cruise control here on bfm when we come back we'll be having a bit of a discussion about these new mandatory licenses uh, for delivery riders we're right back after these messages here on cruise control on bfm 89.9 the business station BFM 89.9 the business station I'm Rich Bradbury alongside Ali Johan and Daniel Fernandez from dsf.my uh, we've had a bit of a talk about uh, sales numbers at the beginning of the show uh, preview of the Geely Boyuel and Dongfeng's new SUV and the fourth generation Toyota Vios if you're only just joining us shame on you but at least you're joining us in time for this discussion debate about the new mandatory licenses for delivery riders who wants to kick us off then Daniel Now when I when I read this news I was actually very happy very happy Now I know a lot of people are going to be angry at me especially current delivery riders but mm. let me tell you this at the moment we we know this already it's a fact everywhere in Malaysia including Kelantan I was in Kelantan recently for 3 days every traffic light you see delivery riders just ignoring the the the, the red light you know mm mm-hmm. and then coming the wrong way trying to you know but they're doing it because they want to earn money they they're rushing around because they need to make deliveries the more they make the the more they earn i can understand all this but it's come to a point where it's become very dangerous and it's sort of like like a disease it's it's moved on to car drivers who have started breaking the law truck drivers van drivers because why i've caught them on camera you know mm. Mm-hmm. And I put it up on on Instagram, and then people say, "Yeah, I saw another guy doing it." I saw this. I don't know. People have got car cams, and they're catching all this. But people have come to a point where they actually don't care because why? It's difficult to enforce this. You can't you can't get the enforcement team from from PDRM to be at every traffic light. You know? Okay. Yeah. And then yeah. if you get the, these people on camera, you you send it to PDRM. Are there hundreds of officers sitting down and processing all these videos? Mm. It's not easy. It has to be something that comes from within. You have to want to say, "Listen, I'm not going to break the law. It is dangerous. I'm not supposed to do it." So, long story short, a lot of riders 
are doing this because they're rushing around all that because they want to earn extra money. Now, if the government does this, automatically you filter down those who are, first of all, no license. There are a lot of them, no license, eh? mm. riding around. Number two, there's a lot of them that don't follow procedure in terms of dressing, suit up, you know, proper helmets and everything else. Number three, correct me if I'm wrong, Richard, I think less people are ordering food right now. Uh, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, yeah, because there are a lot of people going out to restaurants, eating out. I mean, you, you live in a very populated area with restaurants. All the restaurants are full, right? Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. So less people are ordering food in. So the fact that they're doing this, they're just making it a little bit more organized, a little bit more less crazy, like in terms of having these people on the road. The other thing is also, I think personally, that it's about time all these riders, whether they use their own motorcycles or they use. The, the motorcycles that come from the companies because I know some companies they provide motorcycles mm. I think all these motorcycles need to have a tracking device okay I mean okay. technically they do right the phone the phone is a tracking device but you see I think the, the bike also needs to have a tracking device because why a lot of times these bikes are breaking the law maybe there's, there's some kind of software they can check and see whether you know he's run a red light or something I don't know I don't know I'm not a technical person but I think this is all towards you know getting safer riding out there. Also, it could also move a lot of these companies to start providing electric motorcycles. Because yeah, with uh, an electric motorcycle, you limit the number of hours the rider is on the road. Mm, mm. I'm not saying they shouldn't be riding, but you know, some of them ride 8, 9, 10 hours without stopping. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of have mixed thoughts about this. Uh, okay. I, I think you're right, Daniel, in the fact that it, it needs to be um, monitored. Regulated, okay. yeah, in one way or another. I, I think the problem with it is there's a couple of things that I know are going to happen is uh, it will, uh, I know they're going to lower the age limit of P-hailing riders from from what I understand if they manage to get the amendments to the, the act. So it'll, okay. they'll come down from 21 to 18 yeah. from what I understand, okay. Okay. Um, which I'm sure will open up, you know, opportunities for, for, for more people. But my, my concern is that these, um, the motorbikes, they're going to be required to go through, you know, Puspacom. So that will then make that motorbike a, a commercial vehicle. Uh, so they'll have to have commercial vehicle insurance policy, which will mean that the people who want to be able to do this and be these delivery drivers will, ha will have you know additional expenses on one thing or another. And then once they've been using that motorbike for a while, um, you, you, trying to sell it as a commercial vehicle uh, might be more difficult because then they, to turn it back into a personal vehicle is quite complicated from what I understand, right? you got some good points there, yes. Mm. Um, but but think about it. If, if you know these guys who are riding around, they are consuming a lot of mileage. Okay. Yeah. Now, if they are riding as much as possible, are they actually spending enough time maintaining the bikes? That's number one. Mm, mm. Number two, I think personally, again, a lot of people are going to be angry with me, especially people who order food. I think their fees should be raised. Mm. Definitely. Yeah, so that they don't have to work so many hours, but they earn a decent wage because. You know, sometimes when I go to some restaurants, I'm also waiting for my takeaway and then these guys will be standing there. Once in a while, I'll have a chat with them. How's the maintenance and all? And these guys were tired. I looked at them. It was like four in the afternoon. They were tired. They were worn. I said, since what time have you been riding? Or oh, since seven, since eight, since nine. So they are rushing to make money. I don't see them enjoying the money because why? It's mm. probably not huge amount of money. Maybe it's 2,000, mm. maybe 3,000. When you're, when you're riding so much, and you're not really worried about your health, your 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 your, your whole life. Huh? You're just getting the money in. Automatically, you stop thinking about you know maybe I need to take a week off. Maybe I need to you know ride less. 
because it's dollars and cents daily, you know. Yeah, it, it's such a, a hot topic at the minute because, you know, this requirement is going to lead to, to lower numbers of delivery drivers. Right. That's therefore going to push up uh, delivery charges eventually, which right. people are going to complain about. Right. The drivers and riders already are saying they're not being paid enough, you know, and they've asked the government to look into this issue about getting more money, right. which which I think is, you know, a relevant point. They are not paid nowhere near enough. But then on the flip side, there are people arguing that, you know, it, it's the gig economy and it shouldn't be your full-time job anyway. It should be supplemental to something else. But there are people out there who's, you know, for them it is a full-time job. Okay, uh, so you, you say it's a gig economy, but I know this ride-hailing drivers, car drivers, mm. sorry to move the topic a bit, who do it full-time and, and, and they've got a, you know, a college degree or you know, they, they've worked before and they say, I'm earning as much or better just doing this because they're not yeah. thinking about the depreciation on the car after five years, the yeah. long-term maintenance, wear and tear and all that. They're only thinking about, I'm getting money in my pocket every day, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I think there are people, you know, who are maybe a little bit older, um, the retirees, I, I think, would have right. no problem doing this, you know. Yes, yes. Uh, converting it into, you know, commercial vehicle and all that. I don't, I don't think they'd have any issue with it. I think it's right. the younger folks who are, who are doing it, as you say, you know, full-time that would probably uh, find more contra controversy in this. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm kind of on the fence about this a little bit. I like I mean, the idea that it needs happy. to be regulated. Can't make everyone happy. Exactly. It does need to be regulated. They are, many of them are dangerous, for sure. Yeah. No denying that. But, you know, I, I just wish they'd be paid a bit more money, to be fair. Yes, I think they should be paid a bit more money. And I think the transition to electric scooters should be there so that they don't have so many hours in a day. Mm, mm. Because they need to charge the vehicle up. Or, you know, right. swap yeah. the battery. Yeah. yeah, or at least be able to swap the battery somewhere. Correct. Okay, good stuff. All right, uh, folks, that's the end of part two then. But do join us uh, as we come back after the break, of course, into our third and final segment of the show, where we have a car review of the Nissan Serena S Hybrid MPV. We'll be right back for cruise control after these messages here on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. This is Cruise Control. I'm joined on the line, as usual, by my friends, Ali Johan and Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. We've been speaking about uh, sales numbers. Uh, Geely Boyuel, Dongfeng's new SUV, fourth generation Toyota Vios. Uh, we spoke about the new mandatory licenses for delivery riders, wrapping up this show with a car review and a test drive of the Nissan Serena S Hybrid. Daniel, take it away. Okay, um, a little bit of history lesson first. Um, some years ago, um, there were a lot of what I call mid-size MPVs. Uh, not a lot, a few uh, models of mid-size MPVs for sale in Malaysia. So, mm -hmm. Malaysians had a choice to look at, say, for example, the Kia Rondo, you know? Mm. Seven-seater, uh, and then it was uh, rebadged and as a Chitra, but it's the same thing. Then you had the Toyota Wish, you know? Uh, seven-seater, slightly smaller. Then you had the Honda Stream, very successful, uh, slightly smaller also. And then you had uh, a Mazda Biante, slightly larger, boxier, but very spacious. And all these were priced between 130 to 150,000 ringgit, you know? Mm -hmm. And they sold very well. 
Malaysians were looking to upgrade, you know, get uh, more people on the road in terms of family members. Uh, even even a, I I know some couples, you know, newly married couples bought them because you know they can put their bicycles in the back or you know uh, they had an elderly parent living with them who needed something easy to get in and out. So these kind of vehicles were very popular. Till today, you see them on the road, but not so much in Klang Valley because. You know, as they get older, they get sold second hand. They 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 sort of disappear into the smaller towns of Malaysia. You know, so oh, in yeah. Klang Valley, you see only fresh, new, exciting sheet metal on wheels. So <laughs> this has been a very lucrative market. But what happened is, I think Malaysians have gotten fatter in all ways wow. because suddenly the same people need larger MPVs. You know, and then you see all these huge. Bread boxes in town, and the funny thing is, you still see a you know three or four people inside. But there was this whole move to get large MPVs with big grills and big wheels and and sliding doors and automated this, automated that, because it became a status symbol, a mm. social status symbol. You know, now all that is fine. But again, you know, you're taking up road space when you park. It's difficult to get down and everything else. So this segment just grew and grew and grew and grew, and then the segment that we were talking about earlier, which is the mid-size MPV market, shrunk. Now it shrunk to the point where a lot of players left the market. So Toyota stopped selling the Wish, Honda stopped selling the Stream, Mazda discontinued the Biante, the Kia Rondo uh, disappeared, and there were a few other smaller brands. And then you still had one player in the market. One brand said, "No, I'm not going to disappear." I'm going to fight to make myself relevant in this market. I'm going to tell people you don't need anything that big. You can still carry seven people comfortably in a mid-size MPV, and that was mm. Nissan. So they kept selling the Serena, a very, very, very common nameplate. Okay, yeah. if you go back a little bit of history, the first Serena was this nice egg-shaped looking vehicle with one side sliding door. It only had a door on one side, right? Mm-hmm. So. On the driver side, there's no door. It's only on the passenger side that you have a door, which makes sense. So you don't have people getting down on the other side, you know, against, against traffic. It sold quite well, but it was a very dated design. Then years on, they came out with a nice boxy little Serena, which was tall, wide, seven seats. It had a lot of functionality. A couple of weeks ago, when you were not around, Richard, we actually reviewed a second-hand version of that Serena. Which today is worth about twenty to thirty-five thousand ringgit in the market. Still very viable. Still very usable. Okay. Mm. Then they came out with the current generation Serena, which we are test driving today. The first generation of that. This is now the second generation. So the first generation of that was called the Nissan Serena S Hybrid. It had a mild hybrid system. It did pretty well because it had a lot of safety features. It had a nice two-liter engine, CVT gearbox. It had a decent amount of power and everything else, but the best part was it was hundred and forty thousand ringgit. So at hundred and forty thousand ringgit, you suddenly had a whole lot of people who used to to drive around in compact MPVs. Now compact MPVs are vehicles like the the, the Perdua Alza, the old Perdua Alza, okay, mm. which have a third row seat, but they're very small, preferably for small kids or like a Toyota Avanza, you know, things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. But As people get larger and taller, they need something bigger. So these families needed something to upgrade to. Now, since the other brands were no longer in the market, and the luxury MPVs were a little bit out of reach, the Serena became very, very popular. Now, over the years, 
45,000 Nissan Serenas have been sold in Malaysia. Oh. So that's quite good for a segment that has got no competitors. Okay, yeah. Think about it. There's no competitor. Mm-mm. So now comes the new generation Serena S Hybrid. This one was launched about a couple of months ago. We talked about it. We, we previewed it. Um, there's, there's some physical changes at the back, but the total shape is still the same. The design language is still the same. You know, they did something with the lights, the grill, and, and the rear lights and all. There's been some small changes on the inside, but the biggest change comes in its safety features and also in its mild hybrid system. The battery management system, the, 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 the hybrid management system, it's all been just, just tweaked a little bit to make it a little bit more better, a little bit more efficient. Uh, you know, sips less fuel, in, in other words. Mm. So now it has a same 2-litre engine, petrol-driven, with a CVTC system, 16-valve. Again, using an Xtronic CVT gearbox. That's a continuous uh, variable transmission gearbox, which Nissan is very famous for. It's got 150 brake horsepower. doesn't sound like a lot. But remember, this is a family vehicle. You're not supposed to be racing in it. It's got 200 newton meters of torque. Not too bad. Uh, we managed to get a top speed of 160 on a deserted road. Again, I did it just to check and test whether this thing is stable at a high speed. I should not have been doing it. Please don't summon me, police. <laughs> and Was it stable? It was actually quite stable. I mean, it, it's tall and it's a little bit narrow, but it's actually quite stable. You know, the wheel and tire choice also is very good with this car. Now, of course, you know, Tan Chong would have done some... some testing in Malaysia before they launched it to make sure they get the suspension setting and all right. It's mm. comfortable. It's reasonably well equipped. It's got very, very good safety features. It's got the same level of safety features you'll find in a family vehicle costing twice as much. But now I want to talk about getting into this vehicle. Now, you've got two sliding doors, which makes a lot of sense. You don't need anything else when it comes to a family vehicle because when you park it, if you've got older people or you want to get people like a kid out of a baby seat if you had opening doors you'll be very difficult this sliding doors are also electrically operated so that means the driver can close it uh, after someone has left the vehicle on their own or you know open it to make life easy for himself now having electric doors is no longer an uncommon thing the luxury mpvs also have it but to have it in something costing about hundred and fifty thousand, quite a nifty feature don't you think so mm, yeah yeah right so that's that's another plus point Get inside and you've got a, a, a TV screen for the rear passengers, not for the front passengers. So right at the back rooftop of the front passengers, you have a fold-down TV screen. It's not a huge TV screen. Oh, where the aircon thing would normally be. Yes, and the aircon vents are there also. Ah. So that's a nice entertainment feature to have, especially if you're going long distance to keep the kids occupied at the back or if they're having a little snack, they'll be occupied. They won't be, you know, looking out and making noise and everything else. So nice feature to have. Third row seats. Now, this is where I like this Serena. Surprisingly, the third row seats, I can sit in them comfortably. Oh, uh, <laughs> what does that mean then for like, people well, like me? <laughs> now, for you, a little bit difficult. But you see, if, if, you're, if you're riding this vehicle with me, I will actually say, hey, Richard, you drive last since you're very tall. You know? <laughs> Then I'll tell Ali to sit in the middle row and I'll sit in the third row. It's reasonably comfortable. I didn't go long distance with it, but I sat in it for about, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes while my wife drove. And it's reasonably comfortable. You've got seat belts. You've got proper headroom because it's a tall vehicle. Getting in and out through the, the, the sliding doors also, not an issue because the vehicle is tall. You know, you hunch a little bit, but you get in and out. For you, Richard, it's going to be a bit difficult because of your height. Mm. 
Now, with all three rows in use, that means you've got seven passengers, you still have enough luggage room at the back for one suitcase, one big suitcase, and a couple of duffel bags on the top. Okay. So if you're taking a family trip, you can still put a large suitcase, and, it, and you know, duffel bags will go on top because it's, it's tall. So you can still get enough luggage room in the vehicle. Now, a lot of people say, oh, why can't I put two bags? Now, if you've got, say, lah, you're taking someone to the airport, okay? If you've got a larger bag, then of course you're going to have some issue. You have to put one on top of the other, or you've got to fold one of the seats down. So this is the compromise of a slightly smaller MPV. But let me remind you of this. If you drive one of those big luxury MPVs, the luggage space is almost the same because the mm. seats are bigger. Mm, mm. The vehicle may be bigger, but the seats are also bigger because like I said earlier, I think some of these people have become bigger. That's why they want a bigger MPV. <laughs> <laughs> these seats are not that large, okay? Mm. But they're comfortable enough. So I think the compromise is just about right. And then, if you put all seats down, then you can carry a lot of barang, lah, you know? Mm. So that's that's one good plan. Now, the middle row seats. Now, this is the part which I like in this arena. The middle row seats are actually two individual seats, just like the front row seats. So you get two individual seats with armrests on the left and right, not just one side armrests. And the front row seats, the two front row seats, have little tables at the back of them which you can fold down to put your laptop, to put your drink, to put your little snack, you know? So it's like uh, plane seats almost. Almost like a plane seat. Okay, it's not a business class cabin seat or a first class cabin seat. It's like a regular, you know, premium mm. airline seat, you know? Mm. Economy premium airline seat, which is good enough. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah because why? You're not going to be going 8, 9, 10 hours in this vehicle, you know? Mm. You drive mm. up to Penang, it's 4 hours. You drive up to Kuantan, it's 3 hours. Johor, 5 hours. It's okay, mm. you know? Mm. So it's got it's got generally all the features that you need as a family vehicle or even if there's just two of you but you like a lot of outdoorsy stuff you like a lot of holidays you like carrying your bikes with you why not it's not that expensive it's got a 2 liter engine it can double up you know if you're late to arrive at your hotel and you don't have a room you can probably sleep in it you know <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind sleeping in it I don't mind yeah. If you put yeah. the seats down at the back, two people can sleep in quite comfortably. You know, and That's with blacked out windows and you got the TV to entertain you, you know? Brilliant, brilliant, yeah. yeah. So oh, this nice. is the Nissan Serena. It's priced from 149,000 ringgit. I think it's a pretty decent vehicle. And the best part is it's got no competitor in terms of a brand new vehicle. Don't talk about recon used cars. There are plenty of recon used MPVs coming in. But this is brand new, five-year warranty, five-year service package. I feel as though it's not as um, oh, offensive as some of the other larger MPVs. That's the thing I wanted to say, but you know, I, I didn't know whether you know some people might be a little bit upset because I find those, <laughs> those large ones very offensive because it's huge grills. Yeah. You know, they yeah. just you know, and when they park them in normal parking spots in PJ, yeah, no matter how small your car is, when you park next to them, you can't get down. Right, right, and you know that when they come past and they they pull up, people are rolling their eyes, right? Yeah. We know that. Ali, you've been very quiet. What do you think? I like a lot of things about the new Nissan Serena S Hybrid. For one, um, I agree with the both of you about the other larger MPVs. Somehow, to make a car in that boxy shape doesn't look very aerodynamic, but the Serena does look aerodynamic because the curved at the front from the top yeah. roof to the to the front grills, you know, it does make it look like a nice little cabin for the driver. Another point that I really love is 
the fact that the two individual seats in the middle row means you can access the back row with um, uh, uh, like a walkway, like an aisle. Useful for parents with little children or for elderly yeah. who need support to get in and out of the car. This is brilliant. Ideal for somebody who plays drums, eh, Ali? Definitely. You know, the back row, if it's big enough, I can put the chairs down and I can fit an entire kit in there. There you go. Okay, ladies and gents, that was uh, the test drive and review of the Nissan Serena S Hybrid MPV. If you did miss any of this show, don't forget you can download the podcast wherever you normally download it from. We recommend the BFM app. It's available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. This has been Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. We'll be back same time, same place next week here on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.